Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with uh, Benny and Lee. I'm Benny and Lee. He's over Paducah. I'm over at South Shore, Kentucky. We're just uh, bringing it to you again this week. And we got a special guest, Mark Menendez, coming on today. He's a pro fisherman, and I couldn't be more excited. And it's one of my it's one of my things, you know, besides Kentucky basketball that I'm passionate about. And, I, you know, I might be geeking a little today, but it is what it is. Hey, Benny, this was for you, man. It is. You know, Mark's a good buddy of mine. We went to college together. I grew up in the same town. We went We went to different high schools. But, man, I'll tell you what, right now, uh, you talk about a class act, man. He's right up there with you, Benny, and, and Roger Harden, man, some of the best guys in the business. And uh, and, and I tell you, he, he's going to be a lot of fun to have on the show. And I want to apologize right now. Hashimu Evans had to push back to June 15th, but we promised we're going to get him on here. So don't hold that against us, and uh, we're going to have Eric Daniels soon as well. So we've got some, some good guests coming up, upcoming on the show. But uh, Mark's going to be a lot of fun today. He's, he's going to tell us some stories and uh, some things I didn't even know. And uh, but, but a lot of this has happened since he became a pro fisherman, and just the doors and opportunities that opened for him are incredible. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's in my wheelhouse, and I know you know that I – Every I fish every minute of every you know every hour that I can, and uh, it's it's gonna be it's exciting for me. And I want to pick his brain, and maybe you know we could all learn some things from him. Especially those of you out there that like to fish, and, and we talked about this before, maybe doing some of this in the off season stuff like this, and it's pretty cool. We actually we actually done something you know that's a little bit off the off the beaten path for us here. Yeah, and we want people to know. I mean, we're 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 mainly about Kentucky basketball. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, we try to cover everything Kentucky, and, and you know, and there there are a lot of good people. We we put a lot of focus on that. And you know, we had we had Donna Hopper, you know, the the lady, the DJ that actually founded the founded the group Rush. And of course, it was from a promo album that was sent to a radio station in Cleveland, Ohio. But, you know, we had Donna Happer on here, and, and the tie to that was, you know, Rush played at uh, Rupp Arena several times, and, and how many times did they play the song in the in the arena? So it, there's there's a common thread there. And, you know, and, and just because we're talking fishing today, you know, we had Lucas Orbzut on last weekend, and you know, he sent me a picture a while ago. He had a nice, it looked like a nice uh, uh, bourbon going there and a cigar and sitting by his lake, you know, that he wants us to go fishing in. But, you know, we talked fishing last weekend, and, you know, and that was kind of the crossover that, you know, we got basketball players talking fishing. Well, we got a fisherman today, a pro fisherman, that's going to be on here today talking basketball. So, you know, what's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that, Benny? I don't think so. I don't see the problem, man. Not at all. And and we know what's going on in the world today. And and our prayers oh, are out yeah. there to everyone and everything that's going on. I know it's kind of crazy. And, uh, and I, I'm all for protest and I'm all for the quality. I, I hope we get things straightened out the way they need to be. I think it should I think it should be fair for everyone. I mean it should be the same for everyone, but at the same time I'm not so much about burning the hard working man's store down either. But you know, somewhere in the middle no. there and and we're we're with you. I mean 
just want you all to know that. We're with you. I mean, Well, I think the, the way, to me, the, the best way I can put that is, you know, we are not put on this earth to judge. Only God is to judge. And, you know, without getting too religious and, and, and upsetting too many people, but, you know, we're not here to judge. Um, I know you, Benny. I have my friends, and, and you know, and, and even my girlfriend now is a, from a different race. And, you know, this don't be too quick to judge someone just by the color of their skin. Either way. And, you know, let's just hope justice is served. There there are a lot of wrong things going on in this world today. And, and we've got to figure out how we can fix these and, and resolve these issues because they, they just can't keep happening. And, you know, our hearts are involved in that. And, and you're right. I mean, I feel sorry for everybody involved in loss of life. I mean, you know, yes, a store can be replaced. But, but why burn it down? These people don't have anything to do with that. You know, it it, it just let the system work, and, and the system is broken, but we've got to get behind people, and we've got to get the right officials elected into office that are going to fix these issues for us people. That's the only way we can do it. Rioting and, and being out of control is not the way to do it. I agree 100%. And I think, I think their voices are being heard this time more than ever. I really do. And I think probably some of that is because of some of the, the craziness that's went on, and and maybe maybe at the in the end of the day it end up being a good thing. But at the same time, you know, know, there's people's lives being destroyed. And sure, and yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not the moral authority. I have no idea, and I have never dealt with what some of those guys have dealt with. As far as you know, like Mr. Floyd. I mean, that was horrible. I mean. Regardless of right. what, you know, I've heard people say, well, what, what happened before that? It doesn't really matter what happened before that. I mean, he choked him to that's death right. when he was handcuffed. That's right. And that's, that's right. you just don't do that. Humanity alone should keep you from doing that. I, I agree. And, and, you know, that's that's what I mean. It's 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 individuals. It, it's, you know, and I, I can't explain other people. All I can do is explain me and how I feel. And I know that I, I, I'm very distraught over it and, you know, I just wish people could be calm and have a more calm reserve about themselves, you know. and But, you know, being a St. Louis fan and, and it's in the state, you know, we go to St. Louis games a lot. I spend a lot of time in St. Louis. And, you know, it's just two hours away. And, you know, the Ferguson uh, riot and, and the episode that happened there, you know, with the, the young black man that was killed there was uh, was a tragedy. And, you know, he brought a lot of that on, but was it handled exactly correctly? No, maybe not. But, you know, you don't know what's going through a person's mind. And, you know, I go back to Herm Edwards, and everybody knows Herm Edwards. You know, he was a great coach in the NFL, and he's a great spokesman now. And uh, But Herm always said there, there's nothing good happens after midnight. And another thing he says is don't put yourself into a position where it could be bad. So, you know, I, I live by that, and I, I always taught kids when I was coaching and coaching youth basketball, baseball, and football, you know, I told the kids, you know, don't do things that are going to jeopardize you or get you in trouble. You know, ask yourself, sure. is this the right thing to do? And, and I ask adults that at work now. So that that's one of our training philosophies, and one of the things we do is always do the right thing. So, you know, if you do the right thing, things are going to usually work out for you. Yeah, I, I think it's time, honestly, we as a society done the right thing as well. 
and uh, it just end this racism stuff. It's never made sense to me. And I don't know. I, I don't no. feel like I'm abnormal. I think anybody with a sound mind should be able to look at this and say, how, how could you have something against somebody just because of who they are or what, where they came from? It's ridiculous. It's stupid to me. And it, it just... And it's like the wrong people or the wrong the right people saying the wrong things sometimes, you know. And 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 there's yep. a lot of points that have been made that I get. Like, well, we tried to protest peacefully, you know, kneeling for the flag. And you get to thinking about those things, and you're like, well, you know, maybe maybe we should listen when when people protest peacefully, and we wouldn't have these. Uh, Things happen. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, but that's just, just me, and everyone knows. No, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pro gun, pro life kind of guy. You don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean that I'm not pro. You know, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that I'm racist, and I, and I just sometimes I can see points on both, both ways. But when it comes to the racism, there's no excuse for it whatsoever, and there's no point in it. Right, and I'm going to tell you, I've seen a long, and Benny, you're, you're on something very big there. And, and I've seen this, and this is, doesn't deal necessarily with human life, but when when you have a problem or an issue, and I can tell you this from a manufacturing standpoint, that when you have a problem and, and you blanket things, you know, blanket things as a quick resolve or a quick fix, it's the wrong way to go because you're you're actually – penalizing or hurting areas that may not actually be affecting or causing the problem. So I, I get what you're saying is, you know, and like I said earlier, it's it's the individual. You know, you and I with a gun, we're not going to kill or hurt anybody. I mean, we're going to use a gun responsibly. So don't penalize the people that, you know, are responsible with their guns. I get it. I mean, this didn't even involve a gun, but we, we've had these issues in the past where people want to just, you know, have, have gun control and, and and things like that. But but this was clear wrong here in Minnesota. This was clear wrong, and, you know, I think they're dealing with it properly. But it's never going to bring this man back to life, and that's the sad thing about there's it. Been but, too much but you're right. You, you can't blanket things. Yeah. There's been too much of this going on in the, in the past few years, and it's ridiculous, huh? Well, I guess throughout history, really. And like I said, yeah. it's never made any sense to me. And I don't get it. And I don't I don't feel that way. So so I guess sometimes I look at it like, well, it's really not that way because I don't feel that way. But maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it is. But I don't see it a lot around where I'm at. Let's just put it that way. But I'm not saying it's not there, but I don't see it. And, but right. I'm not in those places, you know, where I'm – I'm out in the country, you know what I'm saying? I'm not in those places where where this goes on and things like that. And uh, everybody out here respects each other regardless. Or, well, I don't want to say everybody, but everybody I know, let's put it that way. Everybody I associate with. Yeah. And, and you know, but it, it's it's high time we fix it, you know, because it, it's, it's happened way too many times, and we talk about fixing it, and we talk about fixing it, and we talk about fixing it. I mean, this even goes back to uh, these, these school shootings and, and things that it, it just, you know, there's no answer for. And, uh, you know, I wish. There's better, I would think, because somehow there's, well, there's a, lot of, a lot of racist people getting in as police officers, and there's got to be a way 
And that's sad yeah. for the guys that are good police officers because they get that stigma that True. all cops are bad, yeah. you know. And it really yeah. only takes that, one to a, screw it up for the whole bunch. And I'm not saying there's only one. Don't yep. get me wrong there. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, you know what I mean yep. by that. Yep. I mean, and that, that's where you got to go by the, you know, one bad apple doesn't make the whole tree bad. And, 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 and it's true. And But, you know, once again, we go back to these political parties, and we have Republicans fighting and bickering with Democrats and, and vice versa. And, you know, when are these parties going to finally wake up and smell the coffee and say, hey, you know what, we're in this together, and we got to fix this, and we got to find a resolution. Yeah. Instead of fighting I against each fight. other about things that don't matter, let's fix the real problems in this country. You know, that's what I'm saying. And, and I, I don't like getting political because, 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 yeah, I don't want you, mate. I don't like political political either, stuff, but, but, yeah, but, but there's but it's, four it's guys in there that are cops. And I can guarantee you, if I was in that situation as a cop, he would have got off that dude because I would have told him to get off that. Yep. Yep. And, yep. and that's I what I don't get. How there's going to be four guys standing there and nobody does nothing. Even with a camera exactly. on, that's I, scary. That's you yeah, know what I'm thinking. I, I'm I know. thinking the camera should have at least scared him off a little, but he didn't give it to him, and that's why I think it's cold blood. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that because I mean it is. I mean you know it, enough's enough. You know, and I mean once they have the guy you know detained and, and in cuffs, I mean that should have been enough. And you know, but hey, my my question was where were the tasers? Where were the tasers? I mean, do, do they not all have tasers? I mean, what's going on here? I, I mean, there's so many questions, and, and I haven't seen a lot of it since, but it just that could have gone down a whole lot of different ways that would have prevented the man from dying. And, and that's, 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 that's my problem right there is that we lost somebody's life. Somebody lost their life over something that could have been handled a lot differently. I guess what I don't understand is why they didn't just put him in the car. When they, I don't get that. Were they waiting on another car? What, what was the deal there? Mm-hmm. They're just no, the guy's pretty good guy, man. I mean, these are four guys, and I mean, he's got his hands handcuffed behind him. I mean, you know, geez, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm the same way, and uh, we're well, all they, frustrated even, about it. I don't know. I can say, I feel uncomfortable sometimes commenting on it because you know, people think I, a lot of people think I really don't care just because I am one. It's not a fact, and, and we're not all like that. I hope that people understand that. That's. And that's all I want to say on that. We don't all feel hate for different races. It's not normal. It's it's really not. It's right. But anyway, I mean, yeah, we're talking a little bit of this today, and uh, you know, like I said, Shima couldn't be with us today, but he's going to be with us June fifteenth, and you know, I mean, everything's well. And Benny, let's, let's, let me ask you this. I mean, I I'm going to tell you. I actually met my son today in Murray, Kentucky, and we went out and had lunch, great lunch. First time I've been in a restaurant in, I mean, months. And it was nice. It was it was, it was was weird, you know. Uh, the waiters and waitresses all wear, you know, masks, and uh, the place was immaculate. I mean, detailed, clean, very clean restrooms, everything. And uh, But it, it was it was very surreal, um, but it was, it was neat. You know, it, it almost felt somewhat normal. But, you know, they're not real busy, you know, so people are kind of creeping back into it. I mean, they were fairly busy, but have you have you done anything since uh, we're trying to get back to normal? Have you all done anything? We have not been out yet, and it's not really because we're scared to go out. We just, we just haven't. 
because basically the way my life works, uh, you know, I I pretty much neglect my family this time of year. <laughs> I mean, just to be honest with you, I'm I'm fishing every hour I can get a chance, and that's an addiction of mine. It's just how it is. I'm sorry. I apologize to my family. <laughs> but yeah. We haven't been out yet, but we probably will be out soon. Uh, it's just weird. The masks are weird to me. I don't know. I mean, it's not. It doesn't bother me, but I can't wear the thing very long because I can't. I can't breathe in it. I just feel sweet. Uh, you're, you're just a candy. Wanna... You're just candy ass, candy ass, candy ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got to wear. I, I gotta wear this thing. No, I'm kidding, man. But really, they are. They're aggravating. It's one of those things you gotta get used to because, you know, I'm having to wear this thing ten plus hours a day, five days this week. I, and uh, I feel for you, brother. Just, There's two, two people in our shop, and we we rarely wear them. We wear them, you know, I guess for show because we have to when somebody comes around. But when it's just us, we don't wear the damn thing. I ain't gonna lie to you. But. Well, I'll tell you, I'm wearing the N95. You know, they they've got a you know the report on the N95, and and why the the health officials wanted those so much is because they protect both ways. They protect you, and they protect the people around you. And you know, where a lot of the masks, that just the the surgical mask and the ones that they're selling on Amazon and the ones that people are making in the handkerchiefs, you know, that just really basically protects other people. It doesn't protect you. So you know, I'm right. I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer, and I'm, I'm wearing the N95, and you know, so far so good. I'm not going to change anything. I've always been hygienic. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago, or back when this first started, and uh, so so far so good. I mean, all you can do is just be cautious and take care of yourself. I mean, I think if you take care of you, you're going to be okay. But you know, there there's so many people that just have no regard to it at all. And those are the ones that, that worry me a little bit, you know. But, uh, you know, hopefully we get through it. It seems like there, there is some light at the end of the tunnel now, and that's that's a positive thing for me. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably been one of the worst years on record for since I've been alive for the country. It's just it's been awful, and I, I really want to get back to normal. And uh, I want people to start. I don't know if it, it'll ever happen, but I, I wish people would just start being good to each other. I mean, it, it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, it's really not. No, it's not. Hard, it's not hard to be good to each other. And, and yeah, we all have no. our faults, and we all have our days where we don't feel like being the greatest human. Don't get me wrong, but people the way that I've seen lately, it's just not acceptable. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I mean, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, right? That's right. And we're a basketball podcast. Don't get me wrong. We're not philosophers, and we're not going to fix the world or save the world. But I'm telling you, man, I, I can have a beer with any man that wants to have a beer. That's how I am. I don't care. I'm not I'm not judging anyone else because I can guarantee you I've done things in my life I'm not proud of. Nobody's perfect. And, but everybody everybody can treat each other with respect. That's not hard to do. No, it's not. So, you know, looking at this season, I mean, things are starting to roll a little bit. And, you know, and, and you know, Kentucky football's added a couple nice recruits. And uh, and everything, you know, have you noticed that the basketball front, everything's kind of quieted down. And, I mean, I think we're all still waiting to see 
what happens with SAR if he's going to be eligible. But I did note that uh, or notice that there were some other transfers at other schools that they were approved and they were in a similar situation as SAR. So things are looking a little bit better and more positive. What's don't that? read anything into that. Don't read anything into that because they could screw us in a second. Don't think they won't. And I hope yeah. they don't. Uh-huh. I hope the SAR kid gets there. Never. There's never any uh, method to the chaos of the NCAA. I'm telling you. And I hope that, that he no. can play. And I think I think he ultimately he will. But they're going to make us wait as long as they can make us wait because really, why have they already decided Juzan could play but not SAR? I mean. Come on, people. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. if Jim yeah. Zang can play, Sar can play the way I see it. I mean, there was a coaching change at, at his school, and, and he just he was just homesick, basically. That's why he left, is right. from everything that I've read and heard. And, and he wanted to play right. more. And, and I think he would have played yep. more had he come back. I think he made a mistake, I think. Kentucky gets you ready for well, the NBA. It's obvious. You can you can throw Duke at me. You can throw all these teams at me. Kentucky gets you ready to play at the next level. And if you don't believe me, just look at NBA rosters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and you're right about Juzang. And you know, and and the Cronin tr- coaching change. You know that that didn't happen. That was already in place before you know the season. So. Uh, right, I, there was, there, just, they fired Danny Manning, though. That's what I was getting at on that. Wake yep. Forest fired yep. Danny Manning, and there was an actual coaching change. And they fired him two days before the draft, and he didn't have time to make his decision, or he would have probably, because Danny Manning talked him out of going to the draft, basically, and come back and play for him another year, and then they fire him two days before it might not have even been two days. It was hours before, and he didn't have time to rethink his decision. Right. Well, they always, fingers crossed. Let's just hope. Let's just hope everything works out because I don't know why it wouldn't. And, and when we you start comparing that, but you're right, Benny. When in, in the end, the NCAA always wants to find a way to screw Kentucky. And, I mean, <laughs> to me, it almost seems like it, uh, it, it's, you know, UCLA was not a factor. So, yeah, we'll just we'll let Juzang go there. Uh, but I, I, honest, Kentucky, man, honest question here. If, if Enos Kenner played for Duke, would he have played in the NCAA? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think so. Too. I really do. I really That's do. That's like this whole wild really thing. This whole Zion thing has gone quiet. And he's basically, yep. it's basically, uh, what, 80% that he got paid to go to Duke? <laughs> I mean, but we're not we're not going to put any, any heat on Coach K or anything. But if that was Coach Cal, I mean, it would be trumping, trumping the coronavirus news, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. I know, exactly. And, uh, well, I hate to say it, but Coach K has always been my COVID-19. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that fire, but he's been a pain in the ass. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. But, but you know what? Uh, you know, but now I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it in his way. I mean, I, I hope he's not my COVID-19 because 
Coach K does, does not seem to go away. I, I don't wish really any ill anything on the man, like, you know, that he has to retire or health issues or anything like that. Uh, barring the, the back problems and the spasms in his back, you know. <laughs> but, but seriously, COVID-19, Coach K won't go away. But I hope COVID-19 goes away. So that's that was the comparisons right there. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's evil. Coach K to me is evil. You all know how I feel about the guy. You know, we had my buddy Mike Perkins on here, Mike Chumler, the coach at WKTC, and uh, man, he's he's all in Duke, man. And um, but hey, hats off to him, and and I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry for him. I really I I feel for him. You know, being a Duke fan, but uh, but all in all seriousness, man, uh, Coach K. I mean, just he gets away with murder. He gets away with murder, and I don't know how. If this was Coach Calipari, he would be he would be on the stand right now. I mean, they would be crucifying this guy. Oh yeah, it's I don't know, man. Like I say, I don't know why Coach Kelly always gets a pass or why he's the darling of the NCAA. I don't know, but I do know that a lot of people through the years have told me things that are pretty compelling about. They're recruiting, and I do know Jeff Cable was the bag man. I know that. I mean, I can't. I don't have any proof to hold up in court, but he was the bag man, and he. That's when. That's when Duke started really recruiting right with Kentucky when he came back to Duke, and uh, a lot of people say, "Well, Cal Perry's been doing it all along." And I'm thinking, if you knew how hard they went after Cal Perry, you'd be pretty confident yeah. that he's not cheating. I'm not saying he ain't ever. Because I don't know, <laughs> but he's not doing much. I can tell you that because they would take him down if they could take him down. The NCAA would love nothing more. I don't know what he's done other than speak out against the NCAA time or two, but they hate the man. Yep, I know. Well, you know that there was the Derrick Rose thing with the grades and things and, and some of that. But you know, it's the thing is, I I think Calipari is just one of those guys that he he knows how to. Let's say twist the rules a little bit or bend the rules, and but he doesn't break the rules. He finds loopholes, yeah. and I and I I guarantee you this right now that he's running this through somebody, whether it be legal counsel. I don't know. I, I would think so, especially at Kentucky. Especially at Kentucky, I would say, yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, the the. Uh, uh, he he's he's definitely checking through everything, and he knows what's going on. And and you know the and and we all know the NCAA can find an infraction on you, or they can they can do their little you know uh, black magic and find something on a team and and question it. But I, I don't think Calipari's ever going to be in jeopardy of being in any any trouble that's going to bring any kind of sanctions or or. Anything like that at Kentucky, I, I just don't see it ever happening. And they, they can – I mean, he's under the microscope right now, just like you said, Benny. He's under a microscope. The guy is clean. And whether people like to hear that or not, and I know people in Memphis don't necessarily want to hear it. Other schools don't want to hear it. Uh, but i tell you right now, John Kyle Perry's as squeaky clean as any coach in the NCAA. And Lee, I would like to uh, welcome uh, Mark Menendez to the show. The uh, 
professional fishermen from out in your part of the country there. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you all? <laughs> doing great, well, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm taking it easy on a Sunday afternoon in this low humidity we've got down here in western Kentucky, and it's been a beautiful day, so just getting ready to get fired up to go back to the Elite Series uh, in about seven or eight more days and get back to work uh, and try to get my life back to usual. Awesome. That's Sounds awesome. good. And, and, and anybody out there listening, Mark and I go way back. We went to college, Garrett PPC, and, and, and run run a lot of – well, we, we even went to a few parties together, I think, and back in the day. <laughs> Mark Mark's a good guy, and Mark, Mark I tell you what, we're, we're tickled death you came on here, and we we've been talking about you a lot today, and and, and this crazy world with COVID nineteen and, and the uh, situation in Minnesota, it's it's nice to have somebody on here, and I tell you what, right now there's nothing I'd rather talk. I know Benny for sure uh, would rather talk fishing than just about anything besides Kentucky basketball. Well, it's always yeah. a good combination to talk basketball and fishing. It kind of goes hand in hand. And uh, here in the Bluegrass, you know, in the Bluegrass state, we have more miles of navigable water than any state in the lower 48. The only state that has more than us is Alaska. Wow. And they don't have any bass wow. up there, so that doesn't really count to me. So uh, <laughs> we live in, in a great place there you go. fishing. There you go. Man, and you know what? I didn't even know that. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I was talking to Benny before the show, and just telling the things that we talked about earlier in the week when we, we were lining you up to coming on the show. And uh, it, it's just amazing. You know, Minnesota's got a lot of lakes, but, but the navigable waters, that, that's incredible. And I'll tell you what, Kentucky is, is a beautiful state, and I thank God. I tell people, and I'm not just going to smoke up people's rear ends here, but we talked this on the show, and Benny's heard me say it many times. I, I thank God, and I always told my son, I thank God that I was born in Kentucky. First and foremost, because we've got the Kentucky Wildcats. But, hey, the rest, the rest takes care of itself, right? Absolutely. Hey, uh, Absolutely. My two favorite places on earth, uh, you know, Kentucky and Barkley and uh, Lake Cumberland, that's my two favorite places on earth. And maybe that's because it's Kentucky. But that's, that's that's where I go whenever I take a trip. I mean, my, my old lady gets upset with me sometimes. We spent our vacation last year on uh, Lake Cumberland, which we actually went on a cruise this year, even though they told us not to. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, one of my city. favorite lakes, one of my favorite lakes here in the state, I think it's one of the most beautiful lakes in our state, is Little Green River Lake. I think yeah. Green is yeah. a beautiful a little lake, beautiful setting, and the fishing's off the hook at Green. Um, but I, that's one of my favorite places to go. And Mark, man, I mean, you know, we have so many questions to ask you. I mean, we, we, you know, Ben and I both love fishing, and uh, we don't even really know where to start. And, and, you know, you and I talk, and we're definitely going to get to the Bobby Knight story, and we're definitely going to get to the, you know, player, (laughs) former cat player that that taught you the jump shot. But, but, you know, tell us, you know, and this is one thing, you know, I knew you in college. Tell us how you got started in fishing. I mean, where did it all start at for you? And, and, and I mean, I'm sure it was your, with your dad. I mean, that's how I got, you know, I got into fishing with my dad. And, and we did a lot of fishing up north for musking and, and uh, walleye and stuff like that, too. We've been all over the place. But tell us how you got started. And, and I mean, when did this thing kind of click? Because, and, and share that story about PCC with, the, with the, you know, the, the speech teacher 
and how that's affected yeah. you too. But it's just a great story, man, and I, and I loved it, and I know everybody out there is going to love it too. Well, I tell you, water has. I've always had an attraction to Waterloo. It's just been um, from the get go. They've got pictures. My mom's got pictures of me fishing in a minnow bucket with a stick and a string, wearing a diaper, and I'm chasing two minnows in a minnow bucket. <laughs> And they said I'd stand there for hours and try to catch those fish. And uh, it just it just progressed from there. Um, we moved from Murray, Kentucky, into Paducah um, when I was about six or seven years old. And my ne- that was in the early 70s, and that's when bass clubs were really, really taking off. And my mm-hmm. next-door neighbor, his name was Clyde Watts. Um, he had two yep. older sons that were in high school, and and they were athletes and interested in girls, and they didn't want to fish with him. Well, when Clyde would pull his boat in, I'd be the first one to meet him at the door, and I would tell him how this lure was and that lure was. Finally, I wore him down, and he took he took me and my dad fishing. At a, the end of the day, we went to Barkley on North Barkley, and we were fishing for white yep. bass when they used to come up in the jump so well. And uh, mm-hmm. about about four thirty five o'clock, Mister Watts says, "Now, Mark, we're going to have to go home. Ms. Watts is going to have dinner." And I said, no, no, Mr. Watts, we cannot go home. And he said, well, why not? I said, it's not dark yet. So he realized quickly that I was just absolutely all into the fishing. So for the next four years, he became my mentor. And I still have Mr. Watts. He lives in Florida now. He's up in his 90s, and I I make a trip down to uh, Boca Raton every now and then and go go see him and his son and and his family and – so he he became you know a, a very close figure to me. So after That's after awesome. Clyde Clyde was a uh, executive with Bell South and uh, at Louisville and he moved to to Memphis and we still fished and we and we fished the rest of our lives together. Had another neighbor in my backyard um, who was uh, an engineer and his name was David Hutchison and he was the premier yeah. tournament fisherman on Kentucky Lake mm-hmm. in the 1970s. Yeah. And uh, then I began fishing. His son and I are still lifelong friends, have a little fishing business together. And, and, and David taught me tournament fishing. And uh, uh, when I went to Murray State, um, I was right there, you know, 10 minutes. I actually went to the University of Blood River because I spent more time on Blood yeah, River than man, I did in Blood the classroom. River, yeah. yeah, Blood River, buddy. So, you, you darn Anyway, okay, it, it just developed, and and I just kept on and on and on, and the tournaments got bigger and bigger, like any competition does. Uh, you want to fish against the best people you can, and that that led me to the Bassmaster Circuit in 1991, and I've been there ever since. Tournament fishing is addictive, ain't it? I mean, it really is. I, I don't know what it is about. It. I guess it's when we're younger, we're competing in sports, and but I guess to me, since I've gotten older, that's I just I don't know. It's just the competition. It's it's something else. I mean, you can get addicted to that just, just like anything else, you know. And I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Well, you know, we're 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 having a we've had a tough go of it here on Kentucky and Barkley Lakes here the last three or four years, and um, I've gotten very active in the Asian carp issues through uh, one of my main sponsors, Yamaha. Their conservancy group is called Yamaha Rightwaters, and I have made trips to Washington D.C. to speak to. Uh, Director Skipworth of uh, Fish and Wildlife, I've been in front of about 65% of uh, the whole population of the uh, congressmen and senators in our country uh, talking about the effects of Asian carp. And we've been very successful to this point to get quite a bit of money raised for 
Kentucky and Barkley Lakes, the Tennessee and Cumberland Rivers, and um, up to the tune of almost $60 million coming into our area to fight this problem. And um, it, it, it has been, it's been a lot of work, and it's been a lot of fun to see the, uh, the results that we've gotten through hard efforts and talking to um, members of Congress and House, the Senate Majority Leader, and whomever, we can, whomever I can pull on the ear to tell about what's going on here, I will. And uh, I've, I've taken a lot of pleasure in, in, in pushing that initiative to get some results, and, and we're starting to see those now. And fishing's getting much how, better. Uh, like. That's what I was going to ask. How is that situation? I was down there last year at some point. I can't even remember, but I talked to Lee when I was down there. And that's the only time I had been in quite some time down, down on Kentucky and Barkley, just because it's seven hours from here, you know. Well, it's it's we're making strides. We have uh, fish producers now that we took over six million pounds of Asian carp out of Kentucky and Barkley Lakes. Those went directly into um, to the producers. They use them as a food source for people. They've used them for multiple different things. And this year we're expecting to get over eight million out of there. Um, we have put up what's called a bath, a bioacoustic fish fence below the lock on Barkley Dam. And we're studying the efforts there to make sure that this acoustic fish fence, this bioacoustic fish fence, will stop the movement or slow the movement from the tailwaters of the Cumberland River into the headwaters of the Cumberland River and slow that population movement down um, in, in our beautiful lake. So we, we've got a lot going on. It's ongoing, and uh, the results will be coming in soon. Uh, with fish and wildlife on the study. They put, actually put some transmitters and some fish to follow those fish to see how they adjusted to that fish fence to see if they're moving through or not. So we should be getting some real defined data here on that shortly. So, But uh, the numbers so, are, are good now. Fishing's good. So is those, are those fences, are they going to hurt the bass population at all, or is or deer? How does that work? Well, you know, this is this is just the transmission of fish from below the dam to above the dam. And we don't get a lot of game fish that actually move through the lock and dam system in that manner very often. Uh, some do, but not a lot. So that's not going to hurt our game fish. We just want to keep these things out of the lake as best we can. And um, One of the things that happens, Benny, when you get these uh, in our lakes and you get them in high populations, there are three fish that take it on the nose first. And that would be your shad, your, your threadfin, and your gizzard shad, your crappie, and your bass. And we were kind of at the end of a perfect storm in the uh, about three years ago when we'd had three years of bad spawns, and then we get the high number of Asian yep. carp in the lake, and our numbers went down. But since then, we've yep. had great spawns. We're seeing our shad have come back. Our crappie numbers are fantastic this spring with a lot of two-pound-plus fish. And I'm as excited as I can be about the bass fishing on Kentucky Lake as we just have scads and scads of 14 to 15-inch bass back in the lake now that are going to grow up and be big bass here soon. So it has just been an awesome transformation. into A lot of this was nature that did this. A lot of this was removing that 6 million pounds and removing more of these carp out of there. So, uh, But the future is, is bright for, for the western Kentucky area as far as tourism and fishing in Kentucky with Barkley Lakes. Yep. Yeah, Mark, this this is going to be an ongoing thing. I mean, this this won't just end here. I mean, this is going to be something that we're going to have to do from here on out. Is that correct? Well, you know, our, our initial goal is, is to eradicate them if we can. And then if we can't, 
we we will work on management plans on on getting them out of the water and keeping as many of them out of the water as we can. So, but we would love to see to the end of it, see them out of our waterways if possible. But if not, it's a management plan may be more feasible. Good. Awesome. I mean, I'm all about that. I, mean, I think that for Kentucky and Barker, I know it was struggling there for a while because of this. And it's it's just awful because I can remember going there with my uncle when I was a youngster, you know, and we'd just slay the fish down there. It's an awesome place to go, and it still is, don't get me wrong. But I'm glad that I'm glad that they have people like you that's, that's doing something about it. Well, you know, I've been in the fishing industry, Benny, now for almost 30 years, and um, I, I've been able to make a living, support my family, and, and raise my children uh, because of fishing. And, and I'm kind of on the tail end of my fishing career. I just have this desire to try to make it better than it was when I was a young person, give everybody the same opportunities, maybe even better than what I had. Uh, to enjoy the outdoors, and, and I promised every fishing license holder in the state of Kentucky I will push this initiative as far and as hard as I possibly can uh, to protect our game fish and protect our waters because western Kentucky area depends on the economy. It, its economy depends sure. on uh, Kentucky and Barkley Lakes, and it's a, it's been a real downturn in, in the lakes economy here the last three or four years, but we are growing and it's getting better, so it's a it's a sunny day down here in western Kentucky. It, it is, and, and you know, and, and with Marshall County actually going wet, that that seems to have helped a little bit. Where, what are you hearing? I mean, there were rumors, you know, several years back about a Bass Pro Shops locating there in Calvert City. Uh, are you hearing anything now, uh, Mark, about anything else, potential growth there? Just, just at the lakes in that area. Well, it, right now we're just trying to, to stabilize that economy, and I don't know there there'd be great potential. It's right there off of I twenty four. There's a, mm-hmm. a great flow of traffic, people coming through our area. Um, I don't know if that will happen with a Bass Pro or something like that, but we certainly have the real estate there for it, and, and, and it would be a great great vantage point for something like that. There's no doubt about that. One thing I wonder, you know, you you guys at Fish Pro, if you run into the same type of things that we do, you know, as the, the amateur wannabes, and I just like lately in the past couple of years, it's been a, there's been a boom, and I don't know if it's because of the high school teams now getting into it, and, and a boom in fishing and a boom in uh, kayaks, and I just wonder, do they do they handle you guys sometimes? You know, because I know. Sometimes you go to the lake on a, when it's a real nice day, and you can probably find a spot to fish or something out there. Well, I tell you what, you know, the fishing industry, I'm so thrilled with the high school aspect of it. With, with BASS, we, uh, we're fostering that high school competition and the collegiate competition. Right now, Benny, in the elite series, almost 20%, 20 to 25% of my elite competitors are former college standouts. So it's wow. the feeder system, and these high school kids and these college kids, they're fearless. They get to go to so many different bodies of water and fish so many different styles of fishing. They uh, they develop really good skills quick, you know, where a basketball player has a, a finite amount of years that he's going to be able to play basketball and stay healthy. These kids, by gosh, they've started young, and they are they are unbelievably talented anglers. So it's it's neat to see that the fishing industry is finally recruiting the next generation to take my place 
you know, in the coming years, and, I, and I'm really proud of that. You know, as far as as far as as when we're having tournaments, Benny, you know, most I get I get some people that follow me around and watch and see how I do things, and um, you know, it's it's an amazing how much respect um, local anglers will give a professional when they come in their area, and I have to be courteous to them, and 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 they're very courteous to me, so. Um, I really don't have many spectator problems when on the water. I sure don't. But, well, that's a good thing. And, and on that, but on that, Mark, you, you've never been one that has hold secrets or anything. You, you've been very open. You, you've even taught classes and done seminars to show your techniques and your styles. So I, I hats off to you for that because you've shown people what you know. And, and can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because you know what you're saying is, but people people following you around but you've always been very open to what you do and and you no secrets yeah absolutely i i don't my mother was an educator for 47 years in the area and 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 teaching is a fun part about it you guys are no different than i am you love the fish just as much as i do i've just been lucky enough to spend a lot more days than the average person does to go fishing so um with that i, I when i do seminars or teach classes all over the country, I, I tell it like it is, Lee. I, I I don't hold any punches. I tell it because I want to make better fishermen out of those that are there to listen uh, to what I have to say. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm promoting the products that I use. I tell them why I use it. Why I use a, a Garmin Depth Finder where I've got live scope where I can look out in front of them, or I'm using a new Strike King spinnerbait or whatever it is, and they want to know that, but they want to know why I use it. They don't want to be to just have a sleazy sales pitch thrown at them. They want to know why. What is the real reason, and how do I use it? And it and it and it works well. And when I can see that light bulb come on in the room, I know I've done my job. Right. So if you Good. if you were giving your average angler advice on, I guess what everybody wants to know when you when you go to the lake and and you you don't have three days to pre fish, you know, how how right. do you go about finding finding quality? Quality fish as fast as you can. Well, it's it's a process of elimination, Ben. You, the one thing that I tell everybody in every seminar that I do, if you want to learn more about how to find fish, learn the seasonal patterns of what a bass does. In the winter, he's in the deep deep midsection of the lake. He's out there on the main lake. In the spring, they move up. In the late spring, they move up to spawn. And then right now, they're in the process of moving back to their summertime haunts. So knowing where you are, on whatever lake you are, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Kentucky, whether you're in New York, it doesn't matter. The seasonal pattern is what dictates where I fish. And by learning those, I can eliminate. You know, Kentucky Lake is 180,000 acres. Barkley Lake's another 60,000 acres. Hell, that's a big place to try to go find one. But if I can figure out and get myself in the best mathematical choices, that that's what we do. And uh, that's how I break lakes down is, is all on seasonal pattern. And I'm going to tell you, you know, not only, yeah, you definitely have Barkley and Kentucky master, but, but tell us, you know, the other day you were telling me you were, you were just shooting off lakes in some of the, the best lakes in the country. I mean, how many lakes have you fished, Mark? I mean, I, I mean, you may not even know how many you fished, but I know you fish a lot of them now. Tell us a little bit about those and, and how they compare to Kentucky and Lake Barkley. Well, Kentucky and Lake Barkley have been so good for so long, through the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. 
I've been spoiled here, and uh, it's not uncommon. It was not uncommon during that time period to go catch a hundred a day. And um, I have fished basically from coast to coast. My least favorite place in the country is Florida. Florida fish are wow. that's a different subspecies of largemouth bass, and they're finicky. They're they're tougher to catch. Um, I mm-hmm. love going to the Northeast. I have three tournaments in a row here. Uh, in July that have been rescheduled. I go to Lake Cayuga in New York, in east, in western New York. Then I go to the St. Lawrence River in northern New York and then further east yep. over to Lake Champlain. Um, I yep. love fishing up north because there's a lot of fish and they are eager to bite. So it's a, there's a lot of fish there to be caught. Some of the most yep. interesting places I fished are Lake Mead out in Las Vegas, Nevada, fishing out in the middle of a desert. It was just like being on a moonscape. And then the, probably the most intricate place, is the California Delta, the San Joaquin Delta, that is basically the upper end of San Francisco Bay. That is just a phenomenal place to fish and um, just a really, really neat place. But we've got great places all in the southeast, too. Yep, yep. I'm going to tell you, one of one of the, my favorite lakes I've fished ever in my life was uh, Lake Chiflow up in uh, southern Canada, just north of Michigan. And the small bound mm-hmm. bass there, it just—I mean, I tell you right now, you—you you talk, it looked like piranhas. I mean, you, you talk <laughs> surface lure, it looked like piranhas, and what what a blast that was! And and, and in fishing, I know you're you're a big bass fisherman, but what other kind of fish? I mean, do you take a break every now and then? Do you fish for crappie? Do you, I mean, do you do other fishing? I mean, have you done uh, for musky, northern pike? I mean, what all have you done? I, I, I'll get into a few musky and northern pike on those northern swings, so um, I get a few of those in every year. But uh, uh, just the other day, my son and I, we fished in our front yard and caught a big mess of giant big bluegill. That's that's awful fun right to do. But one of the things I do yeah. for, for recreation is I go to Venice, Louisiana, and uh, I like to redfish and then get out on the on the big yeah. water and get out there and go tuna fishing. Those, if I get to do one of those, you know, every four to five years, I, I find that to be an awful lot of fun. And plus, I can bring home yeah. an awful lot of food that way. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I could sit and talk to you all day. Uh, but unfortunately, we only got an hour tonight. We're about nine minutes in. We got about nine minutes left. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna have you tell some stories about uh, your jump shot and some of the things we were talking about earlier. Yeah. 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 Well, the Bobby Knight story. I want to hear about the Bobby Knight story. Yes. Well, my roots go back to Kentucky, and this is this is all this whole big story. Uh, My grandfather, who really was instrumental in getting me to fish for bluegill and white bass and catfish, whatever, was an absolute diehard Kentucky fan. I went to a basketball camp several years ago, and many years ago, and um, my mother was an educator, and there was a young man in in southern Illinois that wanted to be a basketball coach. He was a fine basketball player, a good basketball mind. He just was not a very tall fellow. He was about 6'1", and we took this gentleman. He went on to be a a great high school basketball coach. So we get to the basketball camp there in Freedom Hall early, and we're shooting around, and of course, I'm only nine years old, and I'm I'm digging the ball out of my side, and I'm shooting with all these high school boys and lots of people there. And all of a sudden, this hand came out of nowhere, and he put it on my shoulder. Now, this was the kind of hand and the kind of touch that you get from love. 
like like your grandfather when he was when he was right. getting your attention or, or whatever. And um, he said, "Now, son, I want you to get that ball up, get that elbow in, and when you shoot that ball, I want you to stick that middle finger in the goal when you release release that ball." Which Kentucky basketball coach was that, Benny? Oh, I would have to be Joe B, wouldn't it? No, sir. Joe B's a fishing friend. That was Coach Adolph Rupp. Oh, it was Rupp. It was Coach Rupp. (laughs) So there's not too many people in the fishing world that can say that. And uh, about uh, 2004, we had a new series start with the Bassmasters. It was called the Elite 50, Benny. And and it took the top 50 guys, and we had our own circuit during the summer, and uh, they were they were showcase events. And we didn't start our tournaments till 10 a.m. in the morning, and we'd fish till 5 o'clock at night so that we could get the people, the working class people that had their jobs and try to get them to come to our weigh-ins and watch us weigh in and have a big fanfare. So the first tournament day, we had a big breakfast the day before blast-off, and Bobby Knight was the, uh, was the keynote speaker. Now, Coach Knight, in his own right, was a huge fisherman, great friends with uh, the late Jerry McKinnis, and Jerry had him come. They fished together a lot, and, and Coach was a great speaker. I mean, whether you liked his basketball antics or not, Coach Knight had us all on pins and needles, and it was he was just talking about life. So after he got done, they gave us some participation trophies for being in the Elite 50, and they called my name, and I shook Coach Knight's hand. I said, Coach Knight, Bet a thousand, you can't tell me which UK basketball coach taught me how to shoot a jump shot as a young person. Yep. And he, of course, yep. he said Joe B. And I said, No, sir. So he stopped the line mm-hmm. and wanted to talk about it. And Jerry McKinnis is like, says, Come on, coach, get through. We've got to get through this. We've got to go fishing. He says, Hold on, McKinnis. Mark Menendez and I are talking <laughs> about UK basketball. We're talking about Adolph Rupp. You all can wait for a minute. So uh, we got a big kick out of that. But that. Uh, but that's how that's how deep my my Kentucky roots go. That's for sure. And, and you're that's a big awesome. Kentucky fan. I know you are, Mark. And I tell you, yeah, un- unbelievable stories, man. That, that's that's incredible. I mean, Adolph Rupp. I mean, just legendary. I mean, you just say the name, and I mean, it's just. Uh, I think it gives a lot of people goosebumps. And and I tell you what, Mark. It, this this has been great, and we're not trying to hurry you off. I hope we got time. We can actually run over if we need to. But yeah, uh, we can run over. We got five minutes left of actual time here, but we can run over if we have to. And I was going to ask him. I, I had to ask him about the. I don't know if you know with all the new fishing, you know the MLF and all this, has that helped or has that hurt the sport? Or we, what is your thoughts on that? Because. I feel like it's helping. It's probably going to make more opportunities for more professional fish. But I, I just wonder what you thought. You're actually out there fishing every day. Well, I stayed at home with uh, where I started my career with uh, Bass Angler Sportsman Society. And um, it, uh, it several of the guys moved over to the MLS side of things, and, and that was good for them. But at, but at Bass, um, we have gotten stronger, and we have a smaller number of guys that are fishing with us on the Elite Series, but uh, the competition has not slouched one bit. Um, anytime there's opportunities to get people into fishing, that's great, and I applaud that. Uh, but, at, but at Bass, we're getting ready to make some announcements here in a couple of weeks. As, I've, as I have been alluded to, that we're getting ready to make some announcements that are going to be unprecedented 
in our industry. So they won't tell me what it is. They said, just hold on to your shirt because it's going to be really, really cool. But, but again, going back to the opportunity, high school and college opportunities are what are making our sport bigger and better on the competitive side of things. Um, it's really neat, this band of brothers that I have. There's 88 of us. And um, we're all fierce competitors. Benny, I want to beat you so bad I can't stand it. He <laughs> wants to outfish me every chance he right. can. But it's it's really been cool to have these new kids come in and their ethics. They're better people well, than they are anglers, and they're unbelievable anglers. And that is a welcome sight in this world, I promise. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an older guy, I'm, and, and I've been fishing for a long time. And and I, you know, I hey, Mark, I, he, I actually, he, he can say he's older, Mark, but he's not as old as me and you. He, he, he's just <laughs> trying to make it feel better. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I can tell you it's harder to find five, to me, five quality, nice fish from my years of experience. Than it, I can go out like yesterday. I, caught, I didn't do very well because right. I only had one keeper, you know. Exactly. Exactly, and I think the fishing public likes to see the skill it takes to catch the five biggest fish you can. That's I think that's a trend that, that is going to maintain itself. Um, I think that's what people want to see. They want to learn from the elite anglers on, you know, how did you, how did you rig that jig to do that? Why did you pick a jig over a big plastic worm? Why not a big spinnerbait or a, a, a 6XD or whatever it is? And, and I think I think that five fish trend, those biggest five fish, because there's a lot of strategy that goes involved into into catching those some days. And uh, I think that trend is it, it's going to it's going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask Mark. You know, all these tournaments that you fish in, in Northeast and everything. What's the biggest non-bass fish you caught? The biggest non-bass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the biggest non-bass, the biggest fish I ever caught, I, I've caught plenty of amberjacks in the 50-pound range out in the oceans, several 50-pound-plus tuna, um, inshore, some really big redfish. Uh, it'd probably be a, a, a big catfish that I caught at Gunnersville on a 6XD one time. I caught a big, <laughs> big blue catfish that I haven't, I don't know how big, it's, it's as tall as I was, Lee, is all I can tell you. Um, what you get on? Uh, what, what was your? What was your? Yeah, and you probably caught it on a light tackle too, right? Well, I caught it on twelve pound Seaguar with a Strike King yeah. XXD crankbait on it. So, so and how um, long did it take you to get that thing in? <laughs> surprisingly, not that long. About four or five minutes, I had him whipped pretty good. Oh my god! Um, that, that's why you're a pro, man. It would take me an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just snatched those hooks out. I didn't. I was afraid to pick him up. He was so darn big. But okay. Um, but anyway, now for the more hey, the more hey, interesting. You're just a show off. You're just a show off. You're showing off now, Mark. You're showing off. Now. <laughs> well, now, Benny, I uh, I was very fortunate in 1997 at the Mega Bucks tournament at uh, Richland Chambers in Texas near Waco, Texas. I ended up catching the biggest bass ever caught in Bassmaster history for the first 31 wow. years of the organization. I caught a bass that weighed 13 pounds and 9 ounces, and that is wow. the record by over a pound. What's really cool about that is that fish was put into the Sherlocker program in Texas, so they spawned her in captivity. 
They took those young of the year fish and took them back to Richland Chambers. But I had a choice, Benny. I could have done. I could have mounted that fish. I could have. Uh, I could have eaten that yep. fish. I could have released that fish. But we took that fish to the Tennessee Aquarium in Chattanooga, and she lived wow. there for over seven years. Um, and Man. over a million school kids a year um, got to see that big fish and see the importance of that big giant bass. So I was very proud of that fact, and it still remains the biggest bass caught on the Elite Series level. A few years later, a young man caught one that weighed 14.9 in the California Delta. It was caught in an open tournament, and uh, so he holds the record, and now I have the second biggest uh, in the history of Bassmaster. But but that was that was really the shot to me out there um, as, a, as a credible angler. Right, that's awesome. The biggest one I ever caught was nine pounds. Of course, I haven't been a all the places in Japan, and I've, I've, never, I've never been to Texas, and I've actually never even fished in Florida, but that's on the bucket list to do, <laughs> but, you know. But like I said, and I, uh, I was 16 years old when I called it, and I had it mounted, so I, I didn't make the right decision probably then, but, <laughs> but you know. Well, you know the biggest one I ever caught in Kentucky Lake was a nine and a quarter. Um, I've had a couple other fish on that I, that I landed that I didn't weigh in, in practice for Bassmaster events that may have been a little bigger. But anytime you catch one in the eight to nine pound in the state of Kentucky, and if you get lucky to catch one over ten, that's a true, true giant. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. I caught a ten and a quarter pound out of a little pond in West Paducah, Kentucky, and I mean this little pond, the little gravel pit off Kelly Road, and in, in, out there in Heath. And uh, believe it or not, it was. Uh, Something to remember, and it was relatively easy to bring it in. It, it, it was just—it was an odd thing. It was just a small pond with a little island in the middle of it. But uh-huh. yep. Oh, that's awesome, guys, and and that's, we've run out of time. But uh, it it was an honor to talk to you, and I'd love to talk to you some more. I, I'd love to pick your brain. Like I told Lee, it was awesome. Then he tells me he was friends with you, and I was like, dude, we've been talking. We've known each other for years, and you now you're gonna tell me he's you know this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you know the sad thing is, and Mark and I talked about this the other day, just how life gets away from you. I mean, we we look back in uh, this was eighty one, eighty two, eighty three, and uh, I mean we're in twenty twenty now, and uh, mm-hmm. man, it's like uh, you know I, I just I remember Mark then, and and you know, and I've always followed you, Mark. And it's just crazy. Time does get away, and. You know, you don't want to bother people, and uh, but but you know, I never forgot you, and uh, and I still consider you a friend to this day. Well, I appreciate that, guys. I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'd love to come back on. We'll share some more stories. I, you know, we, social love media to have is you. kind of a, a neat thing. And I, I I got a message the other day from a former uh, Murray State alumni that uh, happens to be a coach at the Indiana Pacers now. So I've struck up a conversation with Popeye Jones, uh, wow. Ray Murray, Kentucky standout, <laughs> yeah. and, and, oh, and he wanted people. to know if yeah. I, yeah, yeah, and uh, so he he follows me on uh, Instagram, and and so uh, as soon as this COVID stuff slows down a little bit, and Popeye figures out what's going to happen in the NBA, Popeye and I are going to get in the boat together and go spend the day and go catch a few big bass. He loves the bass fish, absolutely. Same well. he has Larry Bird. Larry Bird's another guy that really loves the bass fish. Um, and so, so a lot of these athletes turn to fishing um, just, to, just as a way to escape and, and just everyday life. So I like, I love it when I get to meet some of the, some neat people like that. That's, That's awesome, right. man. I got to 
I got a tournament on Cumberland next weekend. You got any advice for me? Do you fish Cumberland often? You know, that's one of the places. I've only been there, Benny, a couple times. It's absolutely beautiful. The fish population there is high right yep. now. Um, I, they're, they're, they're probably starting to move back out from having spawned. And, um, I'd say start your morning with a good big topwater bait like a sexy dog and walk some of those main lake points that are leading back to the main lake. That's probably where I'd start. And, and then after that, I'd head to the break lines out there in 15 to 25 with a big jig. That'd be my two, two ways to catch them. At Cumberland right now. All right, brother. I appreciate you. I expect Benny to win that tournament now. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> well, I hope he does win. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mark, thank you, buddy. Good, great catching up with you, man. God bless you, man. And uh, please stay in touch. I, I'm going to stay in touch with you, okay? That sounds yeah, let's great. Know, thank you, let's guys. Let's know for... all the big fishing this year so we can follow them and check you out. Whenever I certainly will. All right, we appreciate you coming on. We get get started next week at Lake Eufaula in Alabama. It's very much like Lake Barkley, so I expect to have a good tournament there and get back to that Bassmasters Classic again and uh, represent the state of Kentucky like like I need to. So thanks for having me, guys, and I hope you all have a good rest of your evening. Good luck, Mark. Thank you, man. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Lee. That'll conclude well, tonight. basketball. Hey, eight off up, man. I mean, how about that? I mean, what what a week. That's all. I mean, that's uh. I, I told you we'd have a good time. I, know, I had no idea it was eight off up. I'm telling you right now. I thought it was a player. I didn't know so, either. I, I thought mean, I was thinking. I was like, it had to be Joe B, right? And, yeah. You know, when you said Joe B, I, I I automatically thought it's got to be Joe B. But wow, that's <laughs> so he. Rup, Rup, I mean, that's just, that was it, Rup's tail end. I mean, that was just before he passed away. So, yeah, wow, that's, that's crazy, man. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, like I say, a lot of our a lot of our viewers and fans probably won't enjoy that as much as I did, but there's probably a few that did because I know there's <laughs> a few of them that, like to, that really like to fish. But I, that's probably my favorite show, honestly, to be, be real honest yeah. with you because, that's what I do now. I, I'm too old and too crippled to play ball anymore, so I fish all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, and I tell you what, man, Mark, Mark, this super guy, and you can tell, and I mean, uh, just the, you know, just very humble, uh, great guy. Ever since I've known him, um, like I said, man, we we've been thirty thirty years probably without any contact, but you know. I don't, I don't, you know, I, if I saw him tomorrow, it'd just be like we'd pick up right where we left off back in, back in the day, you know, and, uh, but, uh, same Mark, just great guy. I can't say enough about him, and, and, and I hope everybody can tell by the interview today that, you know, the, the class of this guy and what he's doing for fishing and, and his love of Kentucky basketball. That, that, that's no it. Yeah, I say, you know, he's, He's been busy over the last 30 years winning a million dollars in tournament winnings. <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah. that's a rough life. A lot of people don't. They think it's a glamorous life, which we love doing that. Fishermen love doing it. But you, you're up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you're you're beating that lake, and you got to go no matter if it's thunderstorms or what's going on. you got to get out there on the scheduled day, and you got to go. I mean, in rough water. Yeah. It's it's not as glamorous as you think. He's not sitting in a lawn chair sipping on a beer. <laughs> no. That's not fishing. He's 
He's no. flipping a jig or throwing a crankbait all day, and your shoulders hurting so bad by the end of the day, you just you just need an ibuprofen. <laughs> and be, and Benny, I mean, he's not only taking Popeye Jones. He did uh, say he would take me and you out fishing. So uh, we just got to figure out when. And and I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he's 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 getting ready to go here in a couple weeks. So if we're going to do it, it's yeah. going to be rather soon. And, hey, we we got Lucas Shorbzud as our cooler guy. <laughs> Hey, that's fine. I'll I'll make time to go fishing with Mark in uh, any time, even if I have to be in the doghouse at home. I've been in it before. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you there. I, 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 I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, it'd be worth it, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm sure I can learn a few things, even though I've been fishing my whole life. I'm sure I can learn a few things. See, I'm not a pro. <laughs> Man, he, he makes it sound easy. Well, I'll tell you what, Benny, it's been great, and, and, and we love you folks. And, uh, yeah, it's a little different today, but, you know, this is Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass, and really we're just Kentucky across the bluegrass. But uh, right. we, we try to bring you a good show, and, and next week we'll see what happens. If we, we don't know with this COVID-19. It's still crazy. and uh, But uh, we're going to put you a good show on tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but next week. And uh, yes, tomorrow. Sir. I'm, I'm. This show, man. If they only realized how much we put into this show, and the time and the involvement, I tell you what. Right now, I need a, I need a week's vacation. <laughs> I'm telling you. But uh, good night, BBN. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, y'all be safe out there. Good night, folks. <laughs>